It is Kicker Friday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada, no Mark Schofield. We have kicked him out of Kicker Friday. Actually, Mark's been out this entire week. No big deal. We can still hold down the fort without him. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon to try one free breakdown today. Joining me today, cycling back from a couple days ago, we've got Dave Archibald from Inside the Pylon here to talk a little bit of special teams transactions. Dave, appreciate you joining me again. Excited to be here on Kicker Friday. You can't get any better than kickers and punters. Is, is this your first ever Kicker Friday? I believe it is. I, well, I feel honored. Well, welcome aboard. Does, does it feel different from uh, the other times you've been on? It's, it's hard to say. There's, there's an air of uh, <laughs> I've just been sitting on the sidelines for like 80% of the game, and now I'm, I'm getting out there. Yeah, it's 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 tough to stay focused. It's tough to stay loose, but it's uh, it's it's how we do things here on Friday. I'm on the sideline for eighty percent of the week, so this is kind of this is kind of when we we get to you know stretch our legs and kind of do our thing. But let, let's talk a little bit about some uh, transactions that we've seen special teams wise so far. Uh, you know, the last couple weeks, it's been you you always see some movement. In particular, I think with punters, you tend to see a little bit more than kickers heading into the season, but a couple big names that are actually moving this year. Let's start with the punter, actually. Andy Lee heading from Cleveland down to Carolina for, I believe, was it a, was it a fourth-round pick, and there was also a punter going back the other way? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Casey Redfern, who I don't think he was a rookie, but I don't think he's uh, – he might have been like a second-year player who got in like one game last year. And yeah. I think maybe uh, someone got a seventh back or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they might have gotten a sixth back in uh, in Carolina as well. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, Redfern was a guy who uh, I think he was undrafted two years ago, and he's kind of bounced around uh, the, the expanded practice squads in the last year or so. He hasn't really you know done anything as you mentioned, but he's kicked around a few different camps and so forth. But you know, it was interesting because when this came out. You know, I, I kind of looked at this, and my biggest question was, if you're Carolina and you're sitting there, and again, we, we always see turnover around this time of year, why are you going and trading for a punter, in particular a fourth-round pick, which, you know, that, that's a pick with some pretty decent value in today's NFL, and you're going and trading a fourth-round pick instead of just waiting a couple more days for cutdowns, to see who may be available. It didn't make sense to me, and I'm curious what your first thoughts were as well. Well, I've, I've written some about uh, Dave Gettleman and uh, that front office, and so I, I have a lot of respect for the way that they built that team in Carolina and the moves that Gettleman's done. There's a there's a clear vision there. So, you know, at, at first glance, yeah, it's like a fourth-round pick is, is a fair amount, but then, you know, as because I have so much respect for Gettleman, I'm, I'm thinking about, well, what, what are the, the kind of arguments for it? And first of all, a fourth round pick is, 
you know, that's like a 20, 25% chance of being a, uh, a useful contributor. Uh, we saw, I think, Minnesota cut their fourth round pick as a rookie this year. You know, it happens from time to time. So I think in general, we kind of overstate the value of a fourth round pick. And then, you know, if you look at the Super Bowl last year, and Chuck, I think both you and I wrote about this. One of the key factors in that Super Bowl was how field position turned on the punt and the punt return teams. Yep. I uh, I was on the Keep Pound End podcast a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, there was a key situation in that game where uh, Carolina had the ball, I think, like at their own 38 or something. So it was a great situation to hit a good kick and pin uh, – uh, the Broncos deep and Nortman kind of shanked it and the return, uh, the coverage unit got down there and they almost bumped the returner and he ended up you know, turning that into a huge return. It was basically three free points. And meanwhile, uh, uh, Britton Colquitt was just killing it all game and uh, really reversing field in the Broncos favor. I, I think Denver was out gained by almost a hundred yards that game, but they got it back in the punting unit. So you could kind of see Gettleman feeling like at this stage of the season, this is one of the bigger improvements he can make. Well, and which is certainly something that I understand because I think a lot of teams tend to underestimate the value of having a good punter. So I'm, I'm not one to criticize going out and getting a punter, but there are two, two main criticisms that I have. The first is... When I look at specialists, there are generally there's two ways that you can generally acquire them and pay for them. You either A, use draft capital for them, and if you do, you're getting them on a cheap rookie deal so that they're not chewing up a whole lot of cap space and you're able to put that cap space to use somewhere else. The second way is you say, okay, look, I want to go out and I want to get a top five kicker or a top five punter. I'm going to pay him three, four million dollars a year with, you know, 20% guaranteed. And I'm going to go and get that guy and I'm going to pay that. That way I can use those draft picks somewhere else. What Carolina did here is they used both. And, and that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because Andy Lee's coming in with north of a $3 million cap hit and $3 million in outlay. And you're giving up that draft capital as well. So that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And what probably stung uh, Gettleman a little bit more afterwards is the fact that just a couple days later, Britton Colquitt gets released, who I actually graded out as a better punter last year, and he goes right to Cleveland, the team that just picked up a fourth-round pick. So Cleveland comes away with a better punter and an extra fourth-round pick, and it was also the punter that punted against you in the Super Bowl and might have cost you the game. So I mean, like it's, it's just a tough 48 hours there if you're a Carolina fan, I feel. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think... Lee makes uh, the Panthers better, but it's hard to imagine that if they knew Colquitt was going to be cut, that they wouldn't have just waited two days and picked him up. And and I, I guess, you know, it's it's just something that I wonder about because, you know, waiting a couple more days, again, you've you've got other rookie guys that are at least capable and that are, that are able to give you something at a cheap value then. And I just, I wonder, you know, what, Look, I, I I like Andy Lee's game. He's he's a top ten guy in the NFL. I mean, he's he's a very very good punter. But the question is, is he worth that much more than you know going with a rookie who's going to get you league average or slightly below average? Yeah, 
I don't know. I, I, I see what Carolina is doing because they don't want to have that same weakness they did last year. I think they do feel uh, that they gave up a little bit with Brad Norman, who was you know a little bit below average. He's got a big leg, no doubt about it. But as as you saw in the Super Bowl, and you mentioned, doesn't have the most control. So, you know, I appreciate what they're trying to do in, in getting a punter in there. But the cost is just the question that I have. And look, I guess at this point, if at this point in the year, I guess if you've got the cap space, that's not a huge issue. But giving up the pick, it, it's a lot even for me, Dave. It's it's a lot. I don't know if it, if it makes any difference, but it's actually a 2018 fourth. So depending on your feelings and time value of money, that might yep. skew it a little bit. Yeah. And so, Chuck, did you see the interview with Dave Gettleman where he talked about how Andy Lee is a great holder in addition to being a great punter? No, didn't see that. Uh, do we need Do we need Mark to weigh in on that? He, I think he's got the most holding experience. of. Uh... I'll tell you what, holding's a bigger issue in the NFL than people give it credit for. It's, you know, the, I've seen, at least in this preseason, there have been some issues uh, with some of the holds that have been out there. In particular, uh, the, the Jets rookie punter who's been doing some holding, Lachlan Edwards, had some issues with some holds during the preseason. You know, ho- holding it, it often gets taken for granted, but th- there's a bigger variation in the NFL than I think people give it credit for. It's not always sunshine and rainbows there. So maybe there there is something to that. Maybe maybe there is. I, I don't know if a holder's <laughs> worth a fourth-round pick. If a punter is, and I, I, I sure don't think a holder is, but... Maybe the combo gets you uh, gets you there finally. Before we go any further, just want to talk to you once again about crossover football. Crossover football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels and exchange video with anyone on any platform. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon to get one free breakdown today. Dave, let's talk a little bit about kickers now. We've covered punters. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Robbie Gould heading out of Chicago and being replaced by Connor Barth. Any any thoughts just uh, as you looked at this? I know obviously from a cap perspective makes some sense, but anything else kind of kicking around there? No pun intended. Well, I mean, Gould has been a you know he's been a great punter uh, and a great kicker for a long time, and uh, Barth is a little up and down and. Tampa Bay, wasn't he? How, how did you grade those guys out? Yeah, Barth uh, in particular had a very strong 2011 and 2012, had some injury issues after that, and and really has not been the same kicker uh, since then. He, he struggled a little bit from distance since then, and, and I think that's really been the big thing that he's been trying uh, to deal with is the fact that, look, he, he still is very capable from short distance, but when you start to look at some of the longer distance numbers – you know, it raises some questions there, and I think that's probably why Tampa Bay ended up moving on from him and ended up drafting Roberto Aguayo this year is, you know, you take a look at Barth last year, only three of six from 40 to 49, three of five from 50 plus. That 50 plus number is actually kind of in line. It's a little below average, but 
you know, NFL average on 50 plus is around, you know, 63 to 65 percent in a given year right now. But, you know, you go back to 2011 and 2012, he was 13 of 14 and 12 of 13 from 40 to 49, but just has never really been able to recapture that magic. You know, even the year before, he was 6 of 10 from that range. So he's he's kind of been on and off in terms of his ability to hit from longer distance. And I think that's why you saw the Buccaneers end up moving on from him. If If I'm looking at this from the perspective of Chicago, look... If you're getting rid of Robbie Gould in order to clear some cap space, which really has to be the only reason, or not not even clear cap space because you don't necessarily need it right now, but if you're getting rid of him just because you don't want to make that outlay, I understand that. But you know, there, there are some rookie kickers out there that are pretty solid and that I think offer greater upside than Barth, and in particular, you know, you've got a Chicago Bears team that I don't think anyone really expects to be competing. Uh, for a playoff spot this year it's not a team that you're really sitting there saying oh gee I wonder how if you know if the Bears are gonna hit double digits and wins you're kind of expecting this team to be middle of the pack that's not a bad team to try to bring along a rookie kicker in you know that's that's kind of the situation you want them to cut their teeth in and get some experience under so from my perspective I thought it would have made sense to go with uh you know one of the rookies obviously I've been uh, an outspoken proponent of Ross Martin out of Duke, who was uh, let go by the Jets last week. You know, I think he would have been a pretty good fit there, has some greater upside, greater capability from distance. But Chicago going with the veteran here. And look, Barth is he's a capable kicker. I think he's going to do uh, all right there. But the, the issues from distance, I think, are going to be something that he has to answer for this year. The NFC North, that's not an easy division to kick in either especially in uh, in Chicago. I mean, that, uh, and Barth has pretty much been a warm weather guy his whole career. He has. You know, he, he's pretty much, aside from uh, a brief stint in Denver where, you know, he was, he was pretty good in Denver but wasn't really tested from distance. You know, it's one of the things I always look at when I try to uh, grade kickers is you, you, you want to weight this in terms of, uh, you know, the distance they're kicking from. NFL average the last couple years has been about 15 to 17% of kicks come from 50 yards plus. Well, look, in in the five games he kicked in Denver in 2014, Barth had one, you know, he was one for one from 50 plus, but it was out of 16 kicks. So he's only kicking, you know, 8% or 7% of his kicks from that distance. So, you know, when when you're not getting those types of reps there, it's tough to tell how he's going to be able to do. Um, You know, you talk about the NFC North being difficult to kick in. Obviously, you've got Chicago, you've got, uh, you're heading to Lambeau. The one thing that makes it a little more forgiving, Minnesota is going to a dome stadium this year. So that does make it a little bit cleaner for them. Obviously, Detroit's in a dome. Uh, but, you know, if you, I'm pulling up the Bears' schedule here and checking just kind of where they end up traveling to. You know, they're at Houston, so in another dome. Uh, they're at Dallas in a dome. I mean, at the Colts. I mean, <laughs> they're pretty much hitting all domes this year. So maybe that's what they're looking at. Like, it's, it's it's kind of funny actually how many dome games they end up with out of the division you've got i think three of them just just looking at it briefly uh and then you do host the jaguars at home but then you're back down you know you're at tampa so you've got another warm weather game there um maybe they looked at the schedule and said look this is a guy who can deal with you know just the schedule we have this year well that's uh it's a gutsy way That's to an do interesting it. Interesting approach. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure it's what I would do, but it's uh it's potentially 
what they were looking at. But, you know, other than that, I think the next three to four weeks, you tend to see a decent amount of kicker turnover over this time just because you do see some guys struggle like we saw with Josh Scobie last year. Uh, do you remember back in 2014 the debacle of the Detroit Lions kickers? Oh, yes. Which was, I'm trying to, uh, let me get this pulled up actually. So the 2014 Lions kickers, before they finally squared things away, they went through, I believe it was three kickers. Yeah, so you went through uh, the Alex Henry experience, who was one for five. You went through uh, the Nate Freeze. I don't want to call it the experience. I guess the Nate Freeze extravaganza going three for seven. Finally settling on Matt Prater, who was uh, 21 of 26 there. And Prater's actually been very solid for them for the last couple of years now. Last year, a very good year, actually. 91.7%, five of six from 50-plus. Only missed uh, three extra points there, so a little below average, but not too far. But, you know, the, you see these early season struggles, so I think the next next three to four weeks, you're going to see some uh, some turnover in kickers. Punters, you typically don't see quite as much, just because it, it doesn't tend to be something that jumps out as much, but I think you will see, you know, there's always a couple kickers that end up uh, kind of on the hot seat. The names that are out there right now, probably Dan Carpenter, Greg Zerline, that people are looking at. Uh, I think that Carpenter shouldn't really have any problems. Zerline, I'm curious to see if he can bounce back just because he had such a tough year, uh, mostly because Jeff Fisher hates kickers. But it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's going to be pretty instructive just to see what happens the next few weeks and who ends up uh, kind of moving around in the uh, the kicker ranks as we start to uh, get into the season. Yeah, you know, to your to your point before about the maybe this is a good time for the Bears to try a rookie kicker. My understanding they didn't even have anyone in camp competing with Gold, and then they just decided to cut him. You know, at the eleventh hour, it doesn't doesn't really seem like there was sort of a plan there. No, it it, it doesn't seem like good management. You figure if if you know that's a possibility, look, there there were some teams this year that had three kickers in camp. You know, over uh, OTAs and things well, like that. Well, let's not so. go crazy, Chuck. <sighs> Why not? It's Kicker Friday. This is what we do. <laughs> um, anyways, let's let's call it a day on that. It's uh, you know, D- Dave. It's it's been great to have you on this week, and uh, I know you've got some stuff coming on offensive lines in the next uh, couple days. So maybe we'll uh, we'll check back in with you next week and see where we go from there. Yeah, after doing you know the the unsexy position of kickers and punters now moving on to the real glamour guys the offensive linemen well i would uh debate with you that kickers aren't sexy clearly you've never seen the uh, nfl kicker swimsuit calendar but i'll make sure you get a copy this year and uh folks if any of you want a copy i, I don't even know if you're kidding uh, no it's it's a real thing you've never seen this it should be a real thing it's I have no follow-up questions. (laughs) If anyone does want a copy of the kicker swimsuit calendar, just shoot me a uh, a DM on Twitter. Just, uh, you know, shoot me a little at me on Twitter, whatever you want to do. That is it for the week, though. Chuck Zada signing off for the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ITPylon. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Mark Schofield, back in the captain's chair next week. We will see you then on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast.